The SaaS Universe podcast is brought to you by Efficient Capital Labs. Realize your future revenue today. In the golden days of 2007, when the world still shimmered with promise, a young and ambitious Richie graduated from the prestigious IIT Madras with an engineering degree. Now, little did Richie know that these early days would shape the trailblazer he was destined to become. This is the story of Richie, a visionary on a mission to disrupt the B2B landscape and leave an indelible mark on the SaaS world with his revolutionary startup Price Labs. But to truly understand the birthplace of Price Labs, we must rewind and delve into Richie's personal journey. I did metallurgical engineering from IIT Madras. This was back in 2007, so the world was still golden. the year after the end of 2008 early 2009 as when it went to all helter skelter when i graduated from 2007 so it was like one of the best years to graduate right at the peak of where the world was and so one of the best jobs that you could get coming out of college if you wanted to continue to be in an engineering domain was going to shell and you have to take into account that this is 2007 at least in india there were like Flipkart I think had just started maybe or something like an Ola had just started doing a startup was not so called sexy none of us knew like I knew the word startup but didn't really know it meant anything in india at that time by that time no one had scaled anything so i don't even think we called it startups back then right we called it businesses starting a business so one of the best things that you could do if you wanted to stick to your engineering domain and i like my engineering domain Uh, was to go work for Shell, which was a global player. You'd work around the globe, uh, had the best technology, not necessarily the computers and the software and SaaS that we deal with, but just technology in general, hardcore engineering technology. And so it was kind of a no-brainer of a decision to go work for Shell at that time. The alternates were local steel players in India, which weren't very exciting in terms of. pay or work and cities they'd be in cities that are not very exciting and shell was excited enough to saying hey first job you'd get in amsterdam and it was like who's going to say no to that i think i worked in seven or eight geographies with shell uh, in a span of 5 years in the vast expanse of richie's career his time at shell served as the foundation upon which his journey unfolded within shell richie made a seamless transition to the business domain a parallel to the program management landscape of the SaaS world. After making a mark at Shell, Richie's journey took an exciting turn as he ventured into new territory at Siemens. It was a moment of discovery and introspection as he delved into the intricate workings of the investment landscape. After a couple of years of working at Shell, I had done the technical domain for some time, and I had found some limitations in that role. And I had moved to a business domain within Shell, which is a very equivalent in SaaS world would be doing program management. The difference is like there you are doing project engineering for like a billion dollar project. You are installing something in some country, or like you are installing a new plant. Uh, I remember I was working on. Uh, 
plant that we were working in Australia, which was like an $8 billion project, right? So everything in Shell was far too big. So I moved into project engineering, did that for a couple of years, and that's how I got my exposure to business. So I went to Kellogg for my MBA between 2012 to 2014. And while I was at Kellogg, that's when, as a part of one of the core curriculum, I did an internship with Siemens Venture Capital for three months to try out what does it mean to do investments. Or not do investments, but explore what does it mean to explore investments. Now, as Richie navigated through different roles, encompassing technical expertise, business acumen, and even delving into the world of venture capitalists, a shift in his mindset started to occur. Throughout his transformative journey, the seeds of entrepreneurship were subtly planted, their roots steadily growing stronger. Richie found himself contemplating the possibility of starting his own company, a notion that began to take root amidst his diverse experiences. From a family where my father is not involved in business, but his father was involved in business. My maternal grandfather runs a business. So there was some affinity to business already. And so there are some people in our family who do businesses. Uh, my, my parents don't. They're typical working class folks. So even back in college, I remember my BTEC project that I was working on. And I, I was always interested in what is the commercial applicability of what I'm doing as my BTEC project. But like, what more can we do with this? Whatever we worked on, we, we did produce a, like a research paper on this, but then we were also like, hey, how can we actually make it commercially viable? And in parts to credit about the research professor that I was working with, SS Bhattacharya, he was also very commercially minded in that sense. So I think I think that was the first time I actually thought about doing something as a business, which was like a BTEC project. But at the time, did not have experience. And plus, if you've been in college, there's so many more distractions. It was just a, just a sparkle of an idea. We should do something, but nothing else. I was lucky to find some friends who were always like, let's do something or let's tinker with something. Like, hey, maybe like a couple of friends, let's pull in, let's think about opening up a restaurant. Uh, not necessarily thinking about tech at that time. After a bunch of us got into our MBA schools, we ran like an MBA prep service for some time. So there was always that little bit of like, if there is a resource and if you can find something, can you build a business out of it? That was always there. Does that make sense? The transition from the tech world to the realm of strategy marked a significant shift for Richie as he embraced a completely different landscape, moving from one world to another with their unique dynamics and challenges was no small feat. It represented a bold step into uncharted territory where Richie had to adapt his skills and mindset. It was very hard. I think Bain was the best and the most difficult experience of my life. The best because it was like for both reasons like it was incredibly challenging but the effectiveness with which folks at Bain communicated like from a problem to solution was incredible was just incredible and so personally I found that like extremely great right even at business school I didn't learn as much as I learned in two years in Bain how to take a problem and how to actually dissociate it and come up with what is the actual problem between problems so to put it in perspective before Bain if I was to think about problems I would think about problems in writing a paragraph writing some bullets etc 
post bane uh, i now think about problems in tree charts this is what i want to solve these are the two potential ways that i can solve what is the plus and minus of this rather than thinking in paragraphs now my brain operates in more tree charts and so that that was a very very big shift that bane enabled the reason why it was incredibly difficult though is in one i was coming from that technology field where you know one i was always in the field like limited time spent in front of a computer like 6 hours out of 8 hours were like in the field or in a meeting trying to communicate trying to convince or actually moving a wall changing something etc in a field and from there going to being 8 to 10 hours in front of a computer writing a powerpoint or writing a doc etc was like incredibly challenging this is like a complete shift it is also a little bit harder to find the gratification in a consulting role immediately in a engineering in a field role it is very easy right because you own it you do it you get it done etc in a consulting role you're suggesting to someone but it's harder to find that gratification richie's career trajectory took an intriguing turn as he transitioned from his consulting role at bain to a directorial position at mindtickle the shift was marked by a significant leap in responsibilities and influence within the organization going from a consulting background to a directorial level required Richie to draw upon his wealth of knowledge and experience as well as his innate leadership qualities i think it was for me a little bit easier to piece together because i had been in action roles for 5 years before at shell i'd like i'd done massive massive projects in an actionable role of course on field and then at mba i picked up how to think about businesses and at pain i built a toolkit of how to actually break down a problem and so then the role at mindtickle was in some ways a combination of all of these but at a smaller company the story of price labs begins during richie's time at business school where a humble idea took root and blossomed into something extraordinary While working at Bain and pursuing his studies, Price Labs quietly shimmered in the background. Initially, nothing more than a passion project. In the summer of 2014, Price Labs emerged from the shadows, unveiled to the world as a free-to-use tool. With a logo and a website, they shared their creation, unaware of the transformative journey that lay ahead. Young and unburdened by extensive family responsibilities, they poured their evenings and weekends into building something remarkable we started up price labs when i was at my business school so all through when i was at pain or while i was at mindtickle price labs was still going in the background it was a hobby project it never started as a business in itself at kellogg i was putting my house on airbnb and i think in india it's, it wasn't as popular but in us it was extremely popular to put a spare bed or a spare room on airbnb and so i was doing that and i saw that i was pricing flat everyone around me was pricing flat and that fundamentally didn't make sense to me that i was pricing at 50 dollars and so i was like hey i need to change how i price i need to tweak how i price and at the same time one of my friends from iit madras was doing revenue management for united airlines in chicago so as he was doing that and we'd meet often there's one thing that i think i'm good at is like looking at 
do things and saying huh why can't we do this here looking at something distilling it down to a fundamental and then saying this fundamental can be applied in other places too i've done this at shell by like reading something about a technique that they used to implement in coal plants i was doing that as a fun read and i was like huh if we can do this in a coal plant why can't we do this in a refinery and turns out like in 300 years of doing both of these no one had taken this idea from here to there and so in a very similar way so coming back to this like i was doing airbnb i was like I was, i'm pricing flat and then i spoke to anurag who's one of my co-founders and he was doing revenue management i was like you do this why can't we do this here help me price my house better and so then we went on a witch hunt asking everyone around saying how do you price or putting it on various forums and they were like not sure but if you build something let us know and so we got another friend roped in sana and we built a free tool because it was just like an exciting fun thing to do it was a in the evenings work on a mathematical problem and then a distribution problem and maybe i was also coming out of business school where i had done all of these internships for free so i was like yeah this is like fun solving a challenge solving a problem and so we put it out as a free to use tool not thinking that we were building a business of course we because i had gone to business school we had given it a logo and we had a website and all of that but not really thinking that we were building a business business or wanting to build a business we were all happy in our day jobs doing what we were doing right and in evenings on our weekends like for fun also we were all young right at the time so limited family responsibilities so yeah like in the evenings or in on weekends like building this that's when it started uh, back in 2014 as price labs continue to evolve from a hobby project to a promising venture the realization that they had struck a gold mine unfolded organically it wasn't a pursuit they actively sought instead it emerged naturally through their dedication and the recognition of its potential richie and his co-founders began to grasp the true potential of price labs recognizing that it had outgrown its status as a mere hobby project when we asked and a bunch of people said hey if you build it why don't you give it to us and we put it out for free and a lot of people all around the world started using it we didn't even think about charging we did that almost a year after we registered because our customers asked us hey why don't you charge money for this but it came about in a little bit of a different conversation where it was a free to use product because we were like yeah like hobby project right we are enjoying doing this on the weekends and evenings but our hobby became a business and which also took a little bit of the fun away from it but because a lot of people as they started using it they were like hey we have this problem can you solve this can you build this can you build that etc etc we'll get this done in the evening or maybe next week or maybe like 3 weeks later or something like that and they're like you guys are always so slow we love this product and we're like we do this for free uh, this is a hobby project uh, and they're like take money from us but do it faster so that's kind of how we actually started charging for something so almost 2 years after we had released the product is when we uh, started charging for something because our customers said charge for it in the timeline of price labs 2016 marked a significant turning point when the realization dawned that it was time to take the venture full time throughout the initial years Richie and his co-founders managed Price Labs as a passion project alongside their primary jobs juggling their commitments they nurtured and refined the venture gradually laying the groundwork for its success 
As Price Labs continued to gain traction and generate interest, the demand for their services grew exponentially. The moment arrived when Richie and his co-founders faced a crucial decision. Whether to continue treating Price Labs as a side endeavor or to embrace it as a full-time pursuit. We discussed it in 2016 as we started charging. We were like, hey, what do we do now? So this is no longer a hobby project. Uh, this is something that we actually are charging for. For that, think of it as you have put out a blog and now you're charging for it. At the time, we discussed it and we came to the conclusion that we didn't think that it was big enough. We were like, it's growing and we can grow it without actually leaving our jobs. We have to tell, of course, our employers that this is what we're doing, but we don't have to necessarily leave our jobs. That was literally the conversation. Then at some point, Anurag decided he was ready to leave. And so he left first and then Sanai and I came in after. Like users, we probably had 1,000 or 1,500 users. If they were ready for it and if they were paying it, they were like, yeah, guys, this makes sense. It, it actually solves the problem and it's okay. We're okay to part ways with some money for us. And we also didn't overthink or think about that we need to complicate how much we need to charge because we never started this with the idea of that we want to build a billion-dollar company. We wanted to charge fair. We wanted, we had those conversations with our customers, came up with a fair point and it wasn't like we have to make a hundred million dollar company. And all of us come from, this is a sad reality, but all three founders come from very humble backgrounds. So our needs and how much we wanted was very, very small. Within the journey of Price Labs, there came a pivotal moment when ambition ignited and realization struck that they had the potential to accomplish something remarkable. While Price Labs had been nurtured as a passion project, driven by a genuine desire to make a difference, there was a point where Richie and his co-founders recognized the untapped possibilities and the impact they could have on a larger scale. Late 2018 is where we realized that, hey, like now we have more work than we can get done on weekends and evenings between the three of us. We were lucky that the three of us were very complimentary. I think we had two interns because we needed a first web page to be built and none of us knew front-end at the time and then I learned how to code front-end and then number two we hired someone to get us some initial leads and get us some initial scraping and intern but that was it that was it like we we had like for the longest time it was just the three of us building something and then around mid 2018 is where we realized like okay now it's getting out of hand we're not being able to build as fast as our customers want us to and what we think we need to actually. So that's kind of when we had that trigger moment of saying we should be doing this full time. Securing funding is often a crucial milestone in the journey of a startup. And Price Labs was no exception. When the opportunity arose for Richie and his team to raise a substantial amount of money, they carefully considered the implications and weighed the potential benefits against the need to relinquish a portion of their ownership. We had uh, investor interest from, I want to say, 2016, 2017, where people wanted to learn about Price Labs. I wouldn't necessarily say after learning they would have invested, but we had people who were reaching out to us and asking us about if we want to raise money, etc. A very promising part was a ton of our customers would say, hey guys, if you're ever raising money, tell us. We're also lucky in like in the world in, in a way where a lot of our customers are fairly well-to-do. But I think we had, we started having a serious conversation somewhere around mid of 2021 
and in part there were couple of big reasons for it one was we had slowly realized that it's hard to find good talent without actually having a funding stamp because it is very hard to judge a business with like a private business right and so the only way you judge a private business today like good talent judge private business today is how much money have they raised so that was one of the factors that played in oftentimes we'd get on calls with fantastic profiles and we'd be like hey we have this fantastic profile for you and they'd be like how much money have you raised and we're like we haven't we're a profitable business we don't need to raise money and they'd be like okay no no i need actually need to go to a company that is raising money right or that has raised money clearly you're not your business is not valuable so that was one of the big reasons for thinking about this number 2 was our team was already starting to grow quite a bit and as the team continued to grow we always wanted to be in a situation in case something happens we don't want to be in a place where because of money crunch we have to let go of people and i say that because of money crunch because i am personally very comfortable and think businesses should let go of people based on performance but because of money crunch is not a fair reason we had enough number of people and enough payroll to saying in case of a down scenario we need to have capital in bank to be able to do that and number 3 the business was getting big enough where the three of us are uh, first time founders and we needed more mature people in the team along with us to help us build in various scenarios so that was the third reason to think about this going back to a debt or a revenue based financing it didn't solve for the number 3 which is in case of a down scenario we should be able to sustain our team and debt doesn't allow us to do that so when covid happened what we do is we try to come up with the right price on any given day for a property and that changes based on supply and demand but when demand completely stops which is what happened during lockdowns around the world all of these customers are like hey guys like we love your product but there is no one booking what do we pay you for and so like in a matter of month our revenues dropped by 50% our user base dropped significantly and it was in a matter of month and that is how fickle the world can be the good thing is 3 months later all of them came back as some of the travel started they were like now your product has become absolutely crucial for us to have it because the supply and demand patterns have completely changed compared to prior years prior periods when people examined an organization they naturally sought to understand its growth path they wondered about the ideas strategies and plans that the company had in place to propel itself forward as richie was no stranger to being asked about the next 5 years for his company he understood the natural curiosity surrounding its trajectory but richie realizes that predicting the precise course of the next 5 years was a daunting task The reality was that the future held uncertainties and variables that could shape the company's growth trajectory. If I asked you what is your next 5 years, you're going to have an ambiguous answer. There is only one answer that I have, which is we're looking to grow. That's it. We'd continue to grow. Now, will we be able to grow at 100%? Uh, will we be grow, able to grow at 200%, 50%, 30%? I don't know the answer. The reality is market determines so much of the answer that you can't solve for it. Of course, sir, we have our path, our wish list, right? We'd want to continue to grow 100% year on year, etc., etc. But uh, but if if I did not grow 100% year on year because market let us down will i be disappointed no we won't be disappointed so we're looking to grow next 5 years we're looking to put our best effort in 
to build a business. So as long as we are putting our best effort in, I think everything else is fine. Richie's journey has been one of remarkable growth, resilience, and adaptability. From his early experiences in the technical domain at Shell to venturing into the business domain and exploring investments during his MBA, Richie consistently sought new challenges and opportunities for learning. The birth of Price Labs as a hobby project during his business school days showcased his innate entrepreneurial spirit. What started as a simple solution to pricing inefficiencies on Airbnb grew into a successful business driven by his passion for solving problems and creating value. Richie's experiences highlight the power of seizing opportunities, stepping out in front of zones and embracing the unknown. As he continues to lead Price Labs into the future, his commitment to growth, innovation and empowering others remains unwavering. His journey serves as an inspiration for aspiring entrepreneurs and professionals, reminding us all of the possibilities that arise when we embrace change, remain resilient, and never stop pursuing our passions. That's all for today, folks. Thank you for tuning in to the SaaS Universe podcast. And remember, if you're looking for non-dilutive capital to help grow your business, Efficient Capital Labs is here to help. With their unique approach, you can receive up to 60% of your projected revenue as upfront capital and all within just three days. So don't wait. Head to www.ecaplabs.com to learn more and get started today. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time on the show.